Welcome to the Female Founder Friday podcast, a collection of inspiring conversations with the most interesting female entrepreneurs and small business owners. I'm your host, Lindsay White, and together with my incredible guests, we'll explore the struggles of being a female entrepreneur, the most important lessons, and the future of women leaders in business. Speaking of struggles, one of the biggest challenges that so many of my clients are experiencing right now is the feeling of isolation. Let's be honest, it's lonely being an entrepreneur. And even if you have a team, you may not have a community around you that truly understands what it's like to be a business owner. That's why I've created the Inner Circle Group Program. It's a specially curated group experience that's designed specifically for female entrepreneurs as a space to create connection, build confidence, share our collective wisdom, and build our leadership together. It's a safe space to talk about the hard things you face in your business every day. If this sounds like the right place for you, I'd invite you to check it out today at highvoltageleadership.ca. All the fun gets started here on the 18th of October. My guest on this week's episode is Jamie Smith, the Chief Experience Officer and co-founder of Amplify Advisors. Jamie and her co-founder, Jesse have built an organization that delivers incredible finance and business consulting to support small and medium-sized organizations. But it's the culture at Amplify that sets them apart. With a relentless focus on the client experience and a deeply held commitment to their values, they bring more than just expert advice to everyone they work with. Jamie and I had a great conversation, so I know that you will love today's episode. Awesome. Okay. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm super thrilled to have you with us. Uh, and I'm actually really keen to understand this story about Amplify Advisors, how you came to be the co-founder of such an interesting and dynamic organization. So let's just jump in. Tell us about the journey here. Awesome. I really appreciate having the chance to be on with you, Lindsay, and um, happy to talk about the journey. So <laughs> Amplify Advisors is an accounting consulting firm that I started with my co-founder, Jesse Ferguson, and I met him at Deloitte. So there's always a couple stories about how you end up founding a business, as I'm sure you're aware, and each of them are as true as the other, um, and they just add they just add to the entire decision, which is a big instrumental decision, obviously, for a lot of people, right? So I'll pick one or two quick ones to share yeah. with you today, but there's many, there's many versions. So um, for myself, I had looked at, you know, potentially being a business owner, but in the end, my journey brought me to be a finance leader and then a consultant at Deloitte, which is where I met my co-founder. And so for my co-founder, he also had done finance leader work and he had been at Deloitte as an auditor. I was at PwC as an auditor and he found himself in the consulting department that we shared at Deloitte. So we had the opportunity to lead certain functions within our department and to work closely together. And, and over the course of that experience, Deloitte actually asked us to do a business plan for uh, business process solutions, which is uh, international solution that they had throughout um, Europe, especially, and almost everywhere in the world successfully besides Canada and not in the US. So we were doing the Canadian business plan of this BPS service. And 
that business plan is very similar to what ends up being the first business plan of Amplify. And in the end, we didn't recommend that business plan go forward at Deloitte. And they did also give a soft no to that business plan because it wasn't aligned with the core market they served and the core uh, competencies they had. But in doing the work and, and being asked to do the research and the work, what Jesse and I found was that there was an amazing opportunity in the small medium business space, which could be really instrumental to our communities um, that we worked with. And that is how Amplify launched because there was a chance to give fractional finance leader services. So what we do is we give the opportunity to small, medium growing businesses to have access to an executive level finance person, a CFO, at a rate and a time that they can afford. So instead of having to spend $200,000 on your CFO per year or more, you're able to access them at a scalable level. And then in turn, we have fractional controller, which is similar accounting services, which is like bookkeeping, um, other business advisory coaching in the space, other consulting, and we do recruiting. And we've since launched the tech department, which is NetSuite and um, enterprise resource planning system to support growing companies. So it was an opportunity to see that business plan and see what it could do in terms of making a difference in the community that Jesse and I were really inspired by. And then, um, you know, from a personal perspective, one of the stories I'll tell, and again, there's many of them, yeah. is that, you know, I had an opportunity at, at Deloitte, which was just really an instrumental place to work, to, um, to do a bit of a 360 feedback and, and find out, you know, where my career was going if I stayed. And to be honest with you, at the time that I did that, it was the second time I did a 360 feedback within Deloitte. The first one was formal as part of, as part of a formal process for partner training. And the second one was more ad hoc. And it was my first moment of pausing on the treadmill of just career advancement at Deloitte. It was the first time I stopped to think. And it was interesting because what I heard was really like, it was really inspiring and self-validating in a lot of ways in terms of the feedback I was getting. But it was very clear, no matter who I spoke to, which city they were in or what department they were in, that all of all of the people around me saw my career at Deloitte as, as one that would be very much navigating the politics of really large companies, as well as navigating the different service lines within Deloitte and the politics that come along with a big company like, like them. And, you know, what I heard was that I was great at it and that, um, and that that was rare for a female to be great at it. So I tell this particular story because you're, um, a female founders podcast. And so while I knew I was actually good at it, and to some degree, I liked the work I was doing. I also felt that my gas tank was always on zero because it took everything I had, yeah. everything I had to play that game and to do it well and to be successful at it. And then at the end of the day, it was sometimes not always clear when I had a successful day and I did a great job, you know, what I was actually contributing to, you know, my own purpose and my own why it was, it was often unclear when, when I was successful, why it mattered. Right. And so when I heard that feedback, while it was complimentary and inspiring in many ways, it also actually made me stop and think, is that actually the career I want? And is that actually the direction I want to go? And so um, and so it was a good opportunity to not run away from something, but to look at starting something new. 
So um, yeah, so that's my story in regards to one of the individual things that happened and, and kind of our joint business plan story in terms of how we end up with, with Amplify Advisor starting. Well, first of all, I love that Deloitte actually in, incidentally paid you to come up with your own business idea. Like, oops, ah, that worked out. But I really, I, I, um, I really love, and those 360s, when you look at them with that sort of critical point of view and they give you food for thought can be incredibly valuable. I mean, sometimes they can be used as a blunt instrument, quite frankly, but I love that it gave you a moment to say, is this, is this really like, you're telling me I'm successful, but is this really success for me? Right. Is this really how I want to measure my success in my life? Right. Yeah. And, and it was an interesting thing because sometimes, you know, so the time at Deloitte um, was great because it was a short period of time, but it was one where I really had a lot of great culture experience and great team experiences. And it, it made a massive difference in terms of my career. And I, I wouldn't be able to run Amplify and neither would Jesse if we didn't have that opportunity within right. that group. Right. And, um, and I could say similar things to about my time with PwC, PwC and my time with some of the other places I've worked, all of them have been really incredible and, and made a big difference to that journey. But, um, but you're right, it is interesting to have the chance to develop a business plan with a partner while you're being employed elsewhere. And they're, and they're still one of the most supportive. Um, it, our relationship with Deloitte couldn't be stronger. They're so supportive and so and so there for us, right? And then the reality is, it, again, it's not running away from something, it's doing something different that that contributes to the community in a way that um, that we can, and that they're not, they're doing other things that are yeah. also important, right? Yeah, so. it's, it's not like you're eating their breakfast, right? It's no, not their exactly. client, it was something they decided didn't fit, but clearly you felt like you had created something that, hey, like this is special. There's something cool here in this business plan, even if they don't really want it, it's not what they're going to do. I love that you took it and ran with it and you've made it something incredible. And I know that you're Amplify, I mean, you just keep adding lines of business to it and growing it. And I know that your customers are experiencing incredible success because they get to partner with you, right? Like, I I think it's really meaningful. Yeah, and it is, I mean, it's funny because this is actually my first opportunity working in small medium business because you know to the story that I said I was on big I was right. on big accounts at Deloitte and um and when I was at PwCA I was on you know pretty mid-size or large businesses and the places I've worked were either high compliance or large companies so this is really my my first opportunity to be in small medium business and what I find interesting is that you can really see how you make a difference um, to those employers, which are the top employers in Canada, right? They employ more Canadians than anyone. And, and everyone at Amplify can quickly see how we live our why of enhancing communities, amplifying opportunities and cultivating connections. Um, you can see it really quickly with all the work we do. And maybe yeah. that's lazy, but it's uh, <laughs> it's just nice to be able to see it so quick. And, and so real opportunity to um to have a why that's so clearly clearly aligned with the work you actually do 
Yeah, and I, I really love that. I mean, we've had some previous conversations where you have talked about how much that why or that purpose in your business and those values, how you really thread those throughout all of the things that you do. And I love that. I think that is critical. I know that you translate that to the, your clients and the way that you um, lead and support and, and coach and counsel them. Um, and and I, I think that that is uh, spectacular because a lot of businesses don't approach it like that. So I think that's really special what you've created in focusing deeply on that why and really bringing it to life. Yeah, no, it's, um, it, it does make the job better every day, I would yeah. say. Yeah, and you do get, I mean, there is something really remarkable at how, about having that line of sight. You get to actually see and feel the difference. You get to be a part, of, and those big organizations are beautiful. You learn a lot, but you don't always see the result, right? So there is something special uh, about really being able to feel the change that you're trying to make. And I, I can imagine that that's not only gratifying for you as a co-founder, but gratifying for all of the people in your business, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's funny because I was having conversation this morning on another panel about resilience and mental health and the hot topics that seem to be, you know, core to us as employers today. And, um, you know, for us, being able to take the time to stop and remember how we're living our why can often get us through those hard days. And, you know, and it can make all the difference to just have that last sprint to get through the work for that particular day. And I, I mean, there's no question that when you work in big business that you do make a difference to the community and you do make a difference to the world. It just takes more imagination sometimes. Yeah, to see it, yeah right? it's a little harder. And, to uh, yeah, if you take the time to analyze it, you'll see it and you know you're and you know you're doing good work, but it just it's not as obvious and direct as it is in in Amplify, which is exciting. Little more, a little more instant gratification, if you will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. I love that. Um, okay, so I want to ask you, because I'm sure you've got some marvelous stories about this, uh, where, you know, maybe you made some mistakes, you screwed it up along the way. Yeah, no, it's interesting, because I think, you know, we're, you do better when you know better, is that saying, right? Fair that, enough. Um, yeah, that, that they always say. And so one thing that Jesse and I have been great at is really holding ourselves to challenge. And, um, and that's why we decided to be business partners is because we can challenge each other and, and making sure that when we, when we have an idea, when we launch an idea, when we launch a new service line, a new process, um, a new marketing campaign, whatever it is, that there's no ego involved and that we're constantly not just looking for feedback, but proactively having a plan to get the feedback, right? And so taking that approach allows you, like when you have these fuck-ups, I think that you're calling before, and yeah. that's one of my favorite um, events in the city is to go to fucked up nights and listen <laughs> to those stories. I love it. Um, you know, when you have those, they don't feel quite as instrumental and quite as like bad of burns or bombs because you're kind of watching for those things that you have to tweak and pivot all along. And so a lot of the mistakes we've made have been in that core category, as opposed to like massive, like need to like completely revisit a business model or complete change. So, I mean, one of the, one of the ones that I swear to God, I'll go to my grave, not understanding <laughs> to some degree is 
how hard bookkeeping was to launch. So when we launched accounting services, originally it was like a bookkeeping service. And we honestly took for granted that that was a simple business and it was simpler than the business we were already successfully running. And it, it took us three completely like instrumentally different business models to get it right. And to also figure out how to align it to what we do great, right? Which is bringing CPA more like more technical accounting and, and really, really strong, strong operational um, professionals to a job and really finding a way to like bring that to the table at a cost effective yeah. level that people could actually afford. And, and so that would be one example where we thought something was going to be simple and it took three iterations, but the, but what, how I look at it is that, you know, we, we did make those changes and we yeah. did um, pivot and tweak so that we could find something that works. And I'm really happy to say that we've got a strong team and that it is working right now and that it's, I think we've figured out the business model and there'll be little changes and right. many, many improvements, but we're now doing accounting services and, and bookkeeping in a way that we're really proud of. Right. And then there's been other little changes too, like, or mistakes where when we first went to market, Jesse and I weren't necessarily convinced it wouldn't be just him and I as the only employees of Amplify. We weren't sure given that we were providing a fractional and contracting model out to the market that we wouldn't in turn have contractors as our employment base, right? Right. right. And then, but for us, because of how key our values are and our client experience, and also because we, you know, we expect a one-year commitment on a lot of our services and contracts, and that's what keeps the price down. But yeah. in order to fulfill a one-year commitment, we need to have a commitment back to those employees or contractors. And so we end up going with a hybrid model and we've got 30 permanent, about 30 permanent staff now that are permanent full-time employees. And then we have, and we still have the contractors that do contract work. And so it's a hybrid model. And, you know, that was a big lesson to, to figure out how, how to make all that work. Right. And that was a bit of a surprise as well. And, yeah. um, and there's been others too. I mean, it is, again, it, there's no one big mistake that I could tell that's like no. a bomb and a story that, that really like transformed Amplify, but there's been lots of little learnings and it's, it's been an interesting journey in regards to that, but I'm really proud of the fact that we, we see those um, mistakes. We listen to the market. We listen to our, both our clients and our people and our candidates and, and we figure out what's working and what we have to change relatively quickly. So I guess we fail fast, right? Is that the new thing? So, yeah. and that's something I think we've lived up to for sure. And we try to, and we try to make sure that our people recognize that there's an opportunity to fail fast too, and not, um, and not, we don't want them to like over rotate and spend so much time on getting it right and planning up front that they do go to market with an ego and that they're not willing to hear the feedback because they've perfected it before they've gone to market. And we've seen so many clients and so many small, medium businesses, that's actually what fails them. Um, that is why they fail is because they aim for perfection. They go to market thinking it's perfect and then they don't hear a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, it sounds, I mean, I love the idea of, of fail faster because it just, it, it takes all of the pressure off. 
and it takes sort of that negative connotation. Like we sometimes connotate that word failure really negatively. Like it's a total write-off. But yeah. it's clear that you and your partner, you don't see it as failure as catastrophe. You see failure as just a learning opportunity. Have I got that right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's finding that balance where you can, you know, keep the confidence of your people. Absolutely. And keep the confidence of your clients, but yet not, not to the point of perfection and ego where you're not going to hear it. Right. And it is, you know, it's difficult and finding executive leaders or senior leaders that can join our team and work in that balance. That's that spot between having the ability to know enough and to have confidence and entice confidence, but yet also be willing to fail or pivot or tweak because you you haven't quite got it right. That's not easy to find those kind of professionals, no. right? And we do no. have a we do have a ELT and SLT that that's that are still learning. They're not quite at the point of risk that Jesse and I are at, yeah. but but they get it and they want they want to be there, right? And yeah. so and so that's awesome because then you've got that support and a full team with more perspectives and, yeah. and more market response before you even go out. So right. it, it makes a big difference. But um, I think that it is a learning opportunity and you're not going to get it right off the bat. So oh. if you think you're going to, the sad part is you just don't recognize that you didn't, right? <laughs> so you, you got to be willing to understand that there's something wrong with everything that you do. There yeah. just has to be. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing is that we get so focused on perfection um, that first of all, I think we stop listening, right? Like listening is key. And it sounds like that's something that you've really built in. You're listening for that feedback, whether it's directly delivered or listening to hear what's, what's in the vibe, what's in the zeitgeist, right? Like what's happening. And if you're, if you're searching for perfection, you're, you're not necessarily listening very well. And then- yeah, exactly. And that's part of like, this is what I always say both to our team, but also to our clients. Like we always talk about, you know, how are you going to know you're winning? Right. And so for us, how do you know you're winning? How do you know that you're actually achieving what you're trying to achieve when you do bring something out new? And so what are the key performance indicators, the KPIs, yeah. you know, what are the qualitative factors? What are you doing to formally get the feedback and the market response. And that is a huge part of our process and one that we've always done with a lot of discipline pretty pretty early on, right? And so it's a matter of like, okay, this is, you know, we have the culture checks with our, um, with our team to make sure that they're that everybody feels aligned with the culture yeah. each quarter. We have um, we have the internal performance management and self-assessment that people can do as regularly as they want. And at minimum, they do it twice a year. We've got the feedback forms that go to the clients every six weeks. Like there's um, a constant check with whomever your market is, whether it's your employees, your clients, or even your business affiliates, and just really having actual metrics and discipline and process to make sure that you're listening. Because just to say you're listening is too fluffy and too easy to be like, of course I'm listening. And, you know, of course I'm feeling the room or, or, you know, I would, I would know if it wasn't going well, 
well, how, right? What's, yeah. the, what's the specific metrics or process that is going to give you that information? And that is something that we've always taken very seriously right from day one. And then we actually do something with that information. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the next step. You could gather all the information you want. If you're not prepared to do anything with it, well, then it's not worth anything to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. You, you got to be prepared to actually take that, use the data that you're given, and make the shifts and the changes that are appropriate. Right. Yeah. And I think, like, one thing to think about too is like when you get feedback that's maybe constructive or negative, it doesn't mean that you, that you just do a 180 and you completely no. react to it and you completely um, switch or change the, your approach, right? But one of, you know, maybe, maybe it indicates something that you already had a feeling was not going yeah. right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe recognize that you have a bit of a culture or values misalignment with the person giving the feedback and that at the core, you're never going to get overly no. positive feedback because of that misalignment. And then you got to mitigate that risk and figure out how do we work successfully together, even though we have this um, misalignment, that's always going to make it a little bit hard to succeed or, or yeah. blow, uh, blow their expectations. And then other times you just actually put in place specific process so that you can validate whether another person would have the same feedback. Right. 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 And, um, and just to get a little bit of an idea of whether or not it's a one-off or an outlier or whether or not there's some validity to it that you need to spend some more time, but you don't just jump into spending time and fixing and fixing and fixing, right? Like always, it's always hard. And this is one of the challenges we have within our team is like, we can't change for the sake of change. And we need to let things breathe and truly try them before we, before we change them. And that takes discipline too, because sometimes you can just be looking for feedback and reacting and reacting and reacting. And then again, you lose the confidence of your clients. You lose the confidence of your people yeah. and nobody trusts that anything is going to sustain. Right. So that's another part of that, like, um, kind of the Zen diagram of like fig figuring out, you know, you don't want perfection. You don't want change for change yeah. <laughs> and you need deliberate feedback. Like it's all of that intermix, yeah. which is complicated, right? It's not easy, but I think it's important. And I think it's really key to building a business that that's going to scale and going to grow. I, I really love that because you're right. And I've worked in organizations where innovation was all the buzzword right? So it's always about being innovative and there's nothing wrong with being innovative. There's nothing wrong with being creative. But the problem is, is that if that's your only goal, um, then you're leaving a lot, you're leaving a lot of people in the dust. You're leaving a lot of money on the table because you're never landing anything. You're never actually seeing if the damn thing's going to work. You're just constantly yeah. in an iterative mode. And the truth is, I don't actually think that gets you a whole lot further ahead, right? Like yeah. you said, you got to give it some time to breathe and to have life and to actually see, right? And then get curious. Just get curious about what's going on here, right? What's actually happening? Is this good, bad, or like it's hard? It's really hard to tell if all you ever do is innovate, right? Yeah, totally. And I mean, and even if you think about the growth cycle of a business, right? Um, a lot of businesses, they focus on growth and revenue and volume up front, which is definitely what Amplified did. And so our prices were very low um, 
our, and we were really just going out to market, trying to get the most awareness, the most customers we could. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you're not really worried about scale or profit at that stage of your business. Yeah. But when you, but in order to move to scale and profit, you have, to, things have to be sticky and you can't just be innovative, right? Because people, things have to go to that next level where they're, where you're investing in keeping the cost low. You've got enough of a brand that you can raise the prices to a more competitive level and, and all of, make all those tweaks to actually have a profitable opportunity. And huh. in order for an opportunity to be profitable, it needs to move to that next level of the business stage, which if you're constantly in an innovative stage, you never move to that next level. And while we can speak about our purpose and our why and all these reasons that we're in business, if we don't have profit, our ability to actually contribute to the world and society for whatever we call our purpose or why is going to be very fractured because you need you need money and profit in order yeah. to do more of what you're trying to do. So whether or not, you know, whether or not profit is part of your goals, it, yeah. it should be in order well, to, to in order to live those other um, goals, right? You right. need money in order to do those things. So, um, and yeah. so it's, um, it is interesting because you're right. Those companies that are constantly chasing the new, or we call it like chasing the yellow ball or chasing yeah. the squirrels. And we do have clients that are like that for sure they need to strategize and prioritize and, and put some effort and time into getting more out of the assets and the services and the products that they already have. That can be really difficult um, because it's maybe not as sexy and as fun, <laughs> but, it's, um, but it's core, right? Yeah. It's yeah. definitely core. It, it is. Uh, you're right. I mean, that's, it is fun to chase those new fancy shiny things, right? Like that's, that's really cool. It's, you know, it's, I'm innovative. Like that for some people, they just live for that. But realistically, you're right. Like, how do you scale innovative? Well, the truth is you really can't because you're just yeah. constantly chasing something. And I mean, we all want to make some money. I mean, let's be clear. We're not in business to, you know, to be, you know, to do anything else. That's at the core of what we do, but still being able to do it with purpose and, and with values and with meaning I think that's really key. And then building something that you can really see grow, I think is so valuable. Um, and it's not, it, you're right, it's not sexy. It's not always super fun because it's a little bit slower in the way that it changes and it's tweaking. Um, but realistically, that's what then allows you to find the things to be innovative and really capitalize on is when you got this stuff in the box, just ticking along, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there's opportunities, you know, to and to move that into other regions or other products in a way that's um, the, a way that you hit the ground running that you weren't able to at, at the early days, right? And so yeah. for Amplify, um, we've got the four service lines, finance leaders, consulting, recruiting, and tech. And then the next step is to is to strategically go into new regions. And it's interesting because there's opportunities to launch new service lines as well beyond the four that we have. But, um, but Jesse and I just decided recently that, you know, it's time to, it, we have to be disciplined. It's new regions, not new service lines. And 2022 is going to be the year of scale and profit because we're ready. And, uh, and it's exciting, right? It's, a, yeah. it's nice to see yourself move to a different, 
business stage and to see what you can do in that business stage, right? So, um, but it, it does take discipline because I think if we didn't have the conversation and make the decision that this is what we're going to do, that it would be easy to um, to see new innovative ideas, right? And to and to go along those ways, but but it's time to do something different. So, <laughs> well, and I love that you have this co-founder, Jesse, that you clearly value and, and he obviously values you. Like there's a lot of synergy between you two in being able to move back and forth along the, this conversation and come up with a great decision together. Yeah. And I mean, we're lucky we have a great executive team as well that, uh, that will definitely uh, put holes in any ideas we have <laughs> when it. needed. So it works. It works. You need that if you want to have, um, it depends on the size of the business, obviously, and, yeah. and people in general add complexity. That's no matter how amazing and how much you love them, there's yeah. no question that people right. add complexities. But, you know, I'm a big believer that um, it's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals far more than three, right? And, um, and that's, you know, when I look at what I wanted to do when I made the decision to become a founder instead of an employee, but that was a big decision for me. And I've got a startup blog called 94. And the reason I called it 94 is because 94, I got my first job and I never, ever was not on an employment contract from yeah. 1994 at 14 until, um, until 2018 when Amplify started. That was my first time not being on an employment contract. And that's a long period of time, uh, right? From 14, yeah. from 14 to um, 38 or whatever I was when Amplify started. And, um, and, you know, for me to make that, to take that risk and to be able to look at my husband and tell him he should support this risk, it, it needed to be bigger than what I could create on my own, right. right? And I needed to be challenged and I needed somebody to tell me, when I was full of shit or when I, <laughs> or when it, when I needed to slow down yeah. or whatever the case is. Right. And so, and, and similarly, it didn't take long before Jesse and I needed more than just the two of us to do that. Right. And then we needed those appropriate executives and professionals on the bus to, to get it to go where we want it to go. And, um, and it, and it's, it, it is what makes life hard sometimes, but it yeah. also makes a huge difference in what you can accomplish. And yeah, yeah it's, it's great. It's so true. I, I, one of my favorite phrases is you can't see the label from the inside of the bottle, right? <laughs> I think we all need someone on the outside to show us, first of all, to show us what we're awesome at right? I mean, that's where those 360s that you talk about are great, because we get to see ourselves reflected through the perceptions of others. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, it get, just gives us an eye-opening experience. But even when you're in a partnership, having others around you that poke holes and ask pointed questions and make observations, and you're like, oh, shit, I should have thought of that, right? But they just, they bring you a whole new perception that you maybe couldn't even have right? They just see things differently. And that I think is really key. I think it's, you know, key when you have partnerships, it's key when you're a solopreneur, it's just important to have that person, right? Whoever that needs to be. So I love that. And I just, I love that you are so open and approachable to that. And that's clearly something that defines your whole culture in your business, which I love, right? Yeah, no, we, um, 
we try to we try to be very culture focused within yeah, I love that. um and uh it's it's right from cradle to to grave i guess when yeah. from the moment that we hire to when we um when we do if we lose people which most of the time we have the opportunity for it to be a triple win where anytime we lose people it's usually because a client stole them yeah <laughs> and hey, so that's we, amazing yeah we fondly call it the triple win so we have uh we have those values and that client experience focus right from the beginning to the end and um and it's important right to have that consistent repeated focus because um that's what keeps everybody rolling the same way and um and so it's really important to us yeah well you're speaking my language i i mean that's that's what gets me up in the morning so i really love that and i really admire the way that you have grown and structured your business to just really not just put that at the center but really weave it through everything you do and that's i think what's really key it can't just be words on the wall it has to be something that lives and breathes every day through everything and every interaction and every process and every decision. And I know that that's the way uh, you run that business with your partner. And I think that's really, I think that's really impressive. It's not easy, which what I think is what makes it even more impressive, right? Um, I want to ask you one last question, uh, and and maybe you could talk a little bit about your approach to leadership and how you lead. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, I've had the opportunity to be in management and leadership for, you know, the majority of my career. That's one of the weird things about starting at a big four and audit and my days at PwC, I was a manager at a pretty young age. Right. And uh, so the vast majority of my career has been in leadership. So it's an interesting question to hear because I don't know that I know any different in some ways, but I guess, it's funny because when I was in university, um, one of the projects I did was interviewing a manager and, and the feedback that he gave on management was, you know, Jamie, a great manager has everybody on their team constantly looking for a new job because one, one of two things will happen. Either they'll realize the grass isn't greener on the other side, or they'll get an opportunity that you couldn't provide for them. And so that's a little bit core to my management style is having that transparent, you know, this is what, this is what I need from you. This is what I'm going to give you in terms of your career and either it's aligned or it's not right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so for us that, you know, that goes to the client experience, it goes to the values and, and ultimately, I mean, we hire incredibly strong technical people, whether it's accountants or or technology and 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 that operational skill set. Um, sometimes I don't talk about it as much because it's just a given in some ways with the type of people we hire. Right. Um, at, we're not big enough to have a major development plan within Amplify yet. Some right. like we we have ambitions yeah. for that, but that's not happening. So we hire people that already have the skill set and have the strong resume. So what differentiates them and us is that values and client experience, which is makes us different in terms of being technology and accounting people. And so for just having that clarity of this is where your career can go within Amplify. And this is, you know, this is what I expect of you. And, and just, you know, having that constant conversation. So it's not yeah. about loyalty. It's about, it's about the actual client experience and the values. And so that's probably one of the 
first leadership tips I ever got that I've never, ever lost or forgotten. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other, the other one I realized super fast when I became a manager, um, and I think I learned it, definitely learned it the hard way. And to be honest with you, I think I made them, I've made this mistake like probably last week again, because it's not, <laughs> for some reason I can't seem to learn this mistake is that, you know, you cannot manage people the way you want to be managed. And I will tell you that if I am having a lazy day or I'm not being deliberate or thoughtful, I will manage people the way that I would want to be managed. Right. But they're not the same as me, right? They don't have the same personalities. So you, you know, you have to manage people the way that they need to be managed and the way that works for them, which is not necessarily the same as how you would want your manager to treat you. And that's a really hard lesson because you kind of, you get promoted to management the first time, or you look at a, you look at a challenge or a conversation that you're going to have yeah. and you put yourself in other people's shoes or the golden rule, right? Yeah. But the reality is the golden rule is total bullshit when it comes to management because they, you know, certain people are very process driven. Certain people are very people driven. Certain yeah. people are very big picture vision driven and other people are very time sensitive and very results driven. And if you don't speak to them in their language or try and understand their perspective and their point of view, you're not going to make an impact or influence them. And then you're not going to have effective leadership. Yeah. And it's really hard because it's so much easier just to right. treat people the way that you would want to be treated if you were in their shoes. And I think that management lesson, I haven't aced it. And, <laughs> um, but when I am being thoughtful and deliberate and and intentional and I actually take the time to manage appropriately and think about their personalities and how they want to be managed that's when I have the most success right and when I find myself tired or burned out and I go back to managing people the way I want to be managed it's very quick that I see that it doesn't work <laughs> um, because I certainly don't surround myself with people like myself right so if I manage them the way I want to be managed we don't have success because they're not like me. I just published a post today about radical transparency because I do believe that that is actually really important. And I'm not talking about giving away all your trade secrets to every employee, but it's sort of in line with what you talked about, which is I want to be very clear about my expectations and I'll be very clear in return about what I can do for you. And I'll be very clear about what the culture is here and how this works, right? Like I'll be very deliberate in creating this clear picture for you, right? And you either buy in or you don't. And that's super cool, right? If you want to select out, like that's awesome. But I, I really do think that sometimes as leaders, we feel like we have to keep some secrets. And I'm not sure that that really serves anybody is the truth. So I, I think that's beautiful. Like, let's just lay it all out on the table and then let's figure out if we've got the right cards here for this game, right? Yeah, totally. And I think it's, you know, it's it's a real risk in today's environment. And it's funny because the panel I was on this morning, it came up. If you're not transparent and you just try to appease the activists or the or the random asks and feedback and people within your organization, you you are at serious risk of just ending up with that with greenwashing or, or whatever the term is, right? Yeah. Where you're speaking the, speaking the speak or talking the talk, but you're not living it, right? And so I think, um, I think there's a lot of danger in today's 
society with that and and it's gonna really bite some companies in the ass you know they're gonna it's gonna be a problem because um saying what you should say in order to appease your team and employees without being transparent about you know whether you've even thought about it, whether you have a plan, whether it's part of your um, strategy, whether it's important to you, like not everything can be important to you. So So there should be things that come up and you're like, no, we're not really looking at that. We're it's, we're not status quo, appreciate the feedback. It's not a priority. Yeah. Yeah. There has to be some of those things or else, or else you're, you're not, you're going to spend all your resources doing a half-assed job of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it though, right? Like you just end up trying to scratch the surface on all the stuff. Well, no, to your point, be intentional. Be intentional about how you lead individuals and be intentional about how you, you know, sort of organize yourselves in terms of culture and connection and communication. It's not, those aren't the kinds of things that you can just allow to develop. And I think that's what makes your business special is you have been very intentional um, about what you've what you've created and how you continue to nurture it. But also, I love that you're intentional in your leadership. Right. And 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 you admit that, you know, when when you don't, you know, don't have the energy or the enthusiasm for it, it's easy to go. It's easy to revert back. There's absolutely no doubt. Leadership is and you have to make an effort every single day. It is not easy being a great leader, but it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Oh yeah, no, if you uh if you're deliberate and intentional, the amount that you can get out of it for your people and your team and even your selfish self is is just incredible, right? And so um and it makes a big difference. And the the reality is you have to spend the time regardless. So you might as well do it yeah. with that strategic approach because then you get more you can amplify not to be cheesy from the time, <laughs> right? Love- and that can go like straight to profit. It can go to better yeah. culture, better client experience, better personal fulfillment. Like it can hit a lot of different areas, but um, but the time has to be spent regardless and you can't not spend the time as a leader. So you might as well get more out of it, right? No, I, I think that is such a perfect way to sum it up. I think that, that you just absolutely nailed it. I think that's brilliant. You're going to pay for it in the end. So you might as well make it pay off, right? Um, yeah. And that that is that's a that's a really beautiful spot to end the conversation today, because I, I don't that was gorgeous. I love that. Um, thank you. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you spending some time to be a guest on the podcast today. Um, there's so much incredible wisdom here, Jamie. It's just remarkable. Um, and uh, I, I really I'm, I'm really excited about being able uh, to share your thoughts with the audience, because I think they're just going to love it. Perfect. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. To everyone tuning in today, thanks again for joining me on the Female Founder Friday podcast. I really appreciated Jamie's approach to leadership that she shared with us today. The idea that we can't lead people the way we want to be led. We need to lead them the way they need to be led. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode, so please feel free to share those in the comments below. You can find more about Jamie and Amplify Advisors at amplifyadvisors.ca. And of course, you can always connect with me on Instagram at High Volt Leadership. 
the Female Founder Friday podcast has a goal to impact a thousand listeners. It would mean the world to me if you left this episode a five-star review and shared it with all of your friends. Let's build up to a thousand female entrepreneurs. Thank you so much again for being part of the show and feel free to connect with me at highvoltageleadership.ca.